Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, we are very, very excited to welcome to Straight Up Sabres for the first time a brand new guest. You all know him, all you Sabres fans out there. He is a Sabres reporter, co-host of the Maintenance Day podcast, and he heads up Noted Hockey on Substack. We are so excited to welcome Joe Yurden to the podcast. Joe, welcome to Straight Up Sabres. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. This is going to be uh, it's gonna be fun. It's nice to talk to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's get right into it. So we're going to start off with a broad one here as we're now in the middle of August after the initial rush of free agency and the draft. And we want you to take this one wherever you like. So last season, people understandably felt as though it was a positive step in the right direction for the Sabres rebuild. And this up, this current offseason that we're in right now is viewed as a very important one just in terms of taking the next step, really with the development of the, a lot of the younger players on the team, insulating them, giving them good opportunities. So just to start off, we're wondering, do you feel as though the Sabres did enough this offseason to take the next step in their rebuild? I think they've done I think they've done well enough to continue establishing what they're what they're looking to build here. Um I think taking another step with this group is what they have. They have in mind, obviously they want to see some of these younger guys take that step together. They want to see a lot of these guys, give them the opportunity to be able to step into those roles. Uh, and that's why I think they didn't really go. I mean, that and not wanting to spend a ton of money uh, is why they didn't really go dipping into free agency too hard. Uh, you know, they took care of the areas that they really needed, needed to address. They needed to get a little deeper on defense, get a little tougher back there. Uh, and get some goaltending and <laughs> get some, get some, get some goaltending that can play at the NHL level. So they were able to do those things, but um, I know there's going to be a little bit of hesitancy from, from some fans that they're kind of running it back with almost the same roster. Um, but th- I think that's done with a purpose because you want to see, you want to see guys like Tage show that last year was actually the first step. You want to see, uh, you know, a, an opportunity for guys like Jack Quinn and JJ Paterka to jump into the lineup if they can make it in camp, do all that. Because, uh, you know, as much as it feels like it's a sure thing, like those guys, those guys will make the team. I know you bring everybody back. It kind of, it kind of means there's going to be some competition involved there. So, but you want to have that in there organically where, uh, you know, these guys will have that opportunity. You know, you want to see Casey Middlestat, you know, shake off the injury stuff from last year and, and, and continue to take a step. You want to see Dylan Cousins evolve. You know, these, there's a lot of things. See, the fans are just, they're, they're excited. They just kind of roar up and down the highway. They're revved up. <laughs> they're super revved up, yes. But, uh, but yeah, you want, you want these young guys to really step up and, and embrace where they're going because they're heading in a good direction, but you don't want to see those guys flatline a little bit. Yeah, that's so kind of going off what you said there with bringing most of the same group back and kind of going with trying to see the young guys get better. A big thing people have talked about since probably the middle of last season uh, has been the vibes, quote unquote. And that's basically everyone from like reporters to fans to people out, you know, who aren't even really involved with the Sabres. So as someone who can be kind of closer with the team than the the average fan, do you think there's been like a vibe shift, quote unquote? Uh, do you think bad vibes were a problem uh, in the in the recent bad seasons? And you think that's different now? Well, uh, it's to me, it's it's a good example of what happens when losing out outnumbers the winning you know you know when the when the losing piles on man it's really hard for anybody to have fun it's really hard for anybody to have a good time and you know last season wasn't perfect for for buffalo there were some stretches where the you know the, the losses piled up things weren't you know weren't as happy and, and and fun 
but the last couple of months were nice. You know, it was a nice change of pace because, I mean, let's face it, the last, what, seven, eight, nine years, those last couple of months of the year are like, man, get this season over with already, please. Right. Like this stinks. Right. Everybody hates watching it. Everybody hates playing it. It was just, you know, nothing but negativity. Now what you have, you know, you had a big season from Skinner. You had Thompson with a big season. Guys were having fun. They were enjoying themselves. You know, Opozo, you know, really stepped up and took a big lead there, you know, big leadership role already. And it just kind of, you know, you know, stepped up like exponentially with that. And he had a nice comeback season. So you had a lot of things there where, you know, the guys got along well, you know, you love to see that, you, you know, the guys are laughing, having fun. You love to see that. Uh, you know, I, I, I know folks want to point the finger at some people who aren't on the team anymore and say, that's why things aren't as happy go lucky, but I don't know, man, look at the records and look how, you know, look at those late season performances. You'll see why every, every end of season was just miserable for them and miserable for us trying to get, trying to get answers out of everybody. Right. And so talking about now a guy who you just mentioned there, Kyle Opozo. It's really kind of funny. We've talked about, uh, you know, throughout the off season, looking back at last season in hindsight, just really the the evolution of how he's been viewed among Sabres fans, especially over the past few years. But even if you want to get down into a smaller sample size, like even through the course of last season, if you think about it, because really at the start of the year, you know, we get a couple weeks into the season, the Jack Eichel trade breaks. Alex Tuck comes back. He's immediately, of course, we are all fawning over him, talking about how much he loves Buffalo growing up mm-hmm. with you know, five to seven teams. And a lot of people off the bat are like, this guy is going to be our next captain. Like, it's just, it seems like it makes too much sense. Then the season goes on a little bit. You start to see the guys really starting to come together a little bit. A lot of the young guys starting to step up and you're seeing a lot of them really rallying around Opozo and then in turn seeing Opozo, how he's really stepped up and how he's been that guy for all of these young players to lean on. And now it's at the point where I would say, you know, maybe back in like November, December, you could have probably said, and this is totally based on nothing, but like 60 plus percent of fans would have been all on board with Tuck. But now it feels like it's like 85% of us are all like Opozo should be the guy. So just generally, what are your thoughts on Opozo's really taking on this new leadership role? Is he going to be the captain this year? And should he be the captain for this young crop of players on the Sabres right now? I'll start backwards there. Yeah, yes. I, I believe, yes, he'll be the captain. Um, uh, I would be shocked if he's not at this point. I think I, this, I mean, not to go pat myself on the back here, but this was, I said before last season even began, I was like, just put the C on Kyle. Like he's, mm-hmm. you know, He's the, he's the guy that that I think everybody looks to and that everybody rallies around. Everybody loves Zemgis. Everybody does. Like you know, don't mis- don't don't think I'm putting we him down. We all love Zemgis. <laughs> everybody loves Zemgis. But I mean, Kyle was Kyle was the guy that I think is more the I don't know if I don't know if heartbeat, heart and soul. Just like the I don't know. He's I mean, I guess he's the old guy. I mean, Craig Anderson's the old guy, but Kyle's the next old guy, I guess. Right, but right. um. But I, I, I think in Kyle's case, though, everybody respects where, you know, his, the roads he's taken and, you know, into, into the pros, where he's been, what he's been here in Buffalo and how things have gone for him here. I mean, just the absolute roller coaster of, just, you know, personally speaking for him, you know, the, you know, the medical stuff that came up a few years ago where, you know, there was a question whether he might, even, might not even play again. Uh, you know, he was one of probably a handful of guys that probably didn't do so well under a couple of coaches here. And you're wondering like, man, they spent all this money on this guy, everything, you know, everything that could go wrong is gone wrong. You know, I know people were yelling about trying to get him bought out last year before last season started. And I was like, man, then, well, a, they're not buying him out. Cause that's going to cost too much money, but B you're never buying him out. Like you're just like, he's finishing up here. You know, you just want him to play better and you you're hoping for the best for him. And, Turns out playing in a system that that Don Granado's got is a lot more fun for everybody to play. And it really, it really accented a lot of what Kyle has always done well in the NHL. You know, he's been a good guy to kind of bull rush his way through. He's been a good guy, you know, a a guy with a decent shot, you know, a guy that can, you know, score goals down low and doing all those things. So, you know, Playing to guys' strengths is, is an incredible idea that Don Granato has decided to use Ooh, in coaching, coaching this team, right? It's, it's wild, but, you know, I, I would, I, you know, I, Alex Tuck can probably be captain in a couple of years. Um, and, I, and he's probably got as good a shot as anybody right now, but I, it's Kyle, to me, if it's not Kyle, it's crazy. Well, and I think the other thing too, to that point is that there's a lot of 
young guys in the room who have that leadership experience. I mean, another guy mm -hmm. who comes to mind is Peyton Krebs. You know, I yeah. felt like we really started to see him be more of a vocal presence in the locker room. Cousins, obviously, it goes without saying. Darlene is another one who absolutely may end up potentially being captain one day after a Pozo, obviously. So I think that that's something that I think a lot about really is that not only do you have a Pozo there, but it's going to be able to have him, you know, for these guys to learn and obviously develop as players, but really their leadership abilities as well. And, and, and kind of hone that and get their own leadership identity, mm -hmm. I guess, where Kyle's kind of the one at the top. And then you have those four or five guys who really show those traits, have the leadership background there, and they're going to be able to kind of cultivate that in the room. Yeah. And I think when you catch guys on, you know, on Instagram, calling them dad, you know, pl yeah. other players calling them dad, I think that that's a pretty good tip off. And, you know, the, the other thing, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, I mean, you know, you know, listen, it's, it's, it's all good and fun. Right. But like, um, I think about, you know, cause I think about, you know, Alex Tuck isn't super young. Like he's not, a, you know, he's not like he's 21, 22 years old. Like, um, but you, you look at what happened here when, you know, Jack gets the C put on him when he's what, 19, 20 years old about there. And all the stress that comes with that, that you're putting on the shoulders of a, of a guy who's that young, you know, and you're saying like, okay, man, you're the one that's got to lead this group to the playoffs because we ain't been there in over a decade. Like that's on you. Like you, all questions go through you and, and all answers about this team come through you. It's a lot for younger players to, to put up with like that. That's a super, super huge commitment and a lot of pressure and you know it's not to say that jack wasn't ready for that it was just in this in this team in this area and the situation it was too much mm -hmm. way too much so I, I think doing that again this way you know whether it was tuck or if you're thinking darlene or you know you're thinking of somebody else you know cousins you know cousins another guy down the road that could be a captain because if you're thinking you know well we got to think ahead we want these guys to be captains forever I mean, you better be, you gotta be right. And you gotta be right about your situation. And I, I think the Sabres are still in the, they're still in that stage of still figure. Like, I think they've got the, the, the best idea possible of what they are and what they're headed for. Um, but you're, you still got to see it play out in front of you and you don't want to add a, you don't want to add a barricade to somebody's path. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. So you mentioned uh, another important leader on the Sabres, Don Granado. And I think it's, it's interesting because we've had quite a few coaches. I, if my account's correct, you've probably covered seven coaches for the Sabres. <laughs> and my, the first coach I had, uh, I got to cover here when I got here was Ron Ralston and he was here for two months before he got canned. So, yeah. you know, like that was, yeah, that's yeah. But it's been a lot of coaches. <laughs> yeah. So do you notice there's a difference in how players respond to Granado compared to these other guys that none of them lasted more than two seasons? I think there's a, I think there's a higher level of respect for him. Um, and I think it's because he gives them respect in return. Um, you know, I, I think every, co you know, I, I could break it down with each coach looking back where, you know, Ralston was wrong situation for him, wrong situation for everybody shouldn't have gotten an extension. You know, I mean, he just he stepped in for Lindy Ruff who had coached here for, you know, an eternity. And then it was like, okay, man, we're, we're going to start tearing this thing down around you. Good luck. You know, so like he was the wrong guy and you know, that season starts up and they, they were started off horrible. And the fans were just like, listen, we knew it was going to be bad. We didn't know it was going to be this bad. And they started booing everybody. So, uh, you know, he, him and Darcy suffered for that. And, you know, then, you know, LaFontaine brings Nolan in. Teddy was put in a bad position. You know, when, once Murray got hired, it was like, okay, we're really pulling this thing apart. We're, we're going to the bottom and we're going to come out, come out with a bunch of top players and we're going to be good. And then Tim Murray didn't want to wait anymore. So he traded a bunch of the first round picks that he had away to get other guys to speed up the plan. Didn't work. Uh, Phil Housley guys love Phil. They love Phil. Um, it just didn't work. Dan Bilesma guys got really sick of him. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of, I think there was a lot of arrogance on his part that the, that the guys, especially the young guys were just kind of like, dude, come on, you know, listen, you, you walked into a penguins team, you know, that was already, excellent and then you coached them to a great second half and got a cup out of it and then you know you know he starts fighting with sit on the bench and stuff like that and guys are just kind of like man if you're fighting with your best Maybe player never got back to the club with a with prime no and melkin no no and i mean they had great teams they had 100 plus yeah. point teams there and you know a lot of tough some tough injuries some tough losses and you know things like that which you know, happens but when your goal is stanley cup you know, it's not just making playoffs, not just making conference finals. Like that's, that's tough. But in that situation, they wanted Mike Babcock, they lose out. 
Uh, and then Dan Bilesman was number two on the list. So I, I can't fault them there. It just didn't work. Uh, you know, Phil, they, they liked it. Thought Phil was fine. I think they liked Ralph. Some guys like Ralph. Other guys did not like Ralph whatsoever. And I think it's very justified on their, on their parts. So, um, so you get a guy like Don, who I think pretty clearly was probably the good cop in that dynamic with, with Ralph. Not that Ralph was ever a bad cop is, you know, I think Ralph, Ralph was more of a manager than he was a coach, but, um, but I, I think Don understands the, the, you know, he understands younger players a lot better. Uh, he understands what, what their motivations are, what works right and what goes right. And the thing that I knew was going to make him a pretty good coach was that the day one, he said, he goes, he goes, listen, I, I ain't here to coach boring stuff. And he's like, I want entertainment. You know, I want us, you know, I want us, we got guys that can score. We got some guys that can play well. It's up to me to get them in that, to get them right and get them doing it that, that way correctly. And so far, so good. As far as I'm concerned, he's done it. For sure. And I think, you know, you just alluded to it there. The, the thing that makes Granado such a valuable coach, especially in today's NHL is his methods of utilization, where he wants to put guys in places to succeed and not force them to play a system that, you know, putting a, a square block into a circle hole. So mm -hmm. as we saw last year, and as we talked about at the top of the episode here, really the, the key component of last year and why all of us are feeling so optimistic now was the development of these young guys. We saw Tage obviously take a massive step last year, completely out of left field, if you consider the fact that, you know, two, two and a half years ago, people were like, is this guy even going to be an NHL player? Mm -hmm. And then he switches the center. Granado again, puts him in positions to succeed, gives him solid line mates. Boom, nearly a 40 goal scorer there. Darlene, he ends up shaking off a lot of the rust and some of the bad habits that Kruger instills in him. He takes that big next step then. And now we're looking at him next year as being like, wow, could this be like a 60, 70 point guy back there? Like the, the first overall pick that we drafted. So when we're looking ahead to next season, I feel like there's a lot of guys who fall into that category where it's like, are they going to be next in line to take that kind of step like how Tage took, for example? So three of the ones I feel like that kind of stick out to me in looking at each, each position here, one of the big ones is Dylan Cousins. Are we going to see him put it together and really reach his potential of being that rock solid top six center with an unbelievable two-way presence who is able to put some points up now and really start to finish and rack up some points there on the blue line owen power obviously he looked unbelievable last year in a very short span obviously we know sample size and everything but he looked like he was a seasoned veteran with how calm and measured and smooth with the puck he was in his own end and then in goal yuko pekalukanen i mean what is happening there like is he for one you know Obviously, injuries may play into this, but is he going to be able to get the opportunity to step in and prove if he could be a starter in the NHL? So looking at those three guys, I'm kind of curious, and this may be a tough question, I guess, to answer. But of those three various scenarios, what do you think is most important to the Sabres' long-term success? Cousins firmly becoming that top six center, two-way dominant center power reaching his potential as a first overall defenseman and really building upon what we saw last year or Lukanen getting the opportunity to steal the job and proving that he could be a competent starter in the NHL. Right now, I think the biggest one is, is power. Cause I, I think power gives you, if he evolves and develops the way it seems like he's headed towards uh, that gives them some some unbelievably strong play in their top two sets of defensemen uh which means you got them going for 45 probably 45 to 50 minutes of a game maybe depending on how crazy you want to get with their with their time but um but you're talking about having you know him and Darlene and Samuelson probably working with one or you know one or both of them at some point um you're looking at those guys being able to dominate the ice for gigantic swaths of the game and be able to, you know, controlling the puck, controlling, you know, playing solid defensively, uh, creating offensive chances from the back end. To me, that's that creates a big thing for them because that can make everybody in front of them better. Uh, if they're able to to do play at their best, at their absolute peak, that changes that changes a lot of stuff with what you can do up front. Uh, now, that's not to say that you know if Cousins can't develop that way, if he can't become a top six guy, you have some you have some comfort there in that you've got guys either right there right now 
you know, whether it's middle stack can take a step, you know, can shake off whatever, you know, everything that's happened with him or Krebs steps into that role or, you know, somebody like that, or look down the road, Yuri Kulik, you know, maybe that's somebody that, that can jump into that spot down the road, but uh, you're looking at, it's not as, it's not as a, as dire of a situation. If he, if cousins can't score at the level that you want to see from a second line center, because uh, to me, that's the, that's the one thing that might, that could get in his way. I mean, he just, he had rotten puck luck last year. I, he was their best player for the first half of the season, as far as I'm concerned, you know, the, the goals weren't really coming, the, you know, the, the, the points weren't really there, but you know, for a good part of the season, he was on a 20 goal pace, 40 point pace. And you're like, okay, all right, pretty good. Like that's, you like to see that. Um, when it comes to Lukanen, I don't know. It, the, the feeling to me is that, they might, it just feels like there's something off there. Uh, you know, with so much attention being paid to Levi and Portillo in college and, you know, Lucanen's kind of like, Hey man, I was, you know, I was, you know, still here, you know, just you know, like, uh, like, let's go, let's figure this out. I, I think what they want to see from him is I think, well, a, I think they want to see him get more games again. Um, they want him to stay healthy B uh, you know, granted, some of that injury stuff last year wasn't his fault. You know, Ryan Schmelzer runs him over late in the season and he can't play in the playoffs. You know, it stinks. Um, but you want to see general better health from him there. Um, and you want to see better numbers, honestly. Now, I, I give him a big break for how bad Rochester's defense was last year. It was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. But, you know, you got to save your you got to save your team's neck, you know, a few, you know, more often than not when you're in that position. He's I mean, he's used to being in that spot. Sudbury gave up a ton of shots when he was in juniors and he played outstanding. Now, obviously better talent, better, you know, everybody's a lot better in the AHL than they are in the OHL. But um, but you want to see a little bit better than than what you got from him on a lot of those nights. But, uh, you know, but a lot of those nights where his numbers look terrible and they'd still win. Seth Appert would would say he was their best player on the night and you know without him they lose that game by five or six goals so you know i i think they just want to erase a lot of the questions when it comes to him like they want to they, you know whether it's positive in their favor or negative in their favor they got to know where they're going because because right now things in the goaltending department are kind of stagnant because you don't want to you don't want to bottle things up top and and prevent guys from being able to earn a spot up there and you don't want to you know make it so that you block it up so levi and portillo are like you know what we don't see a way that we're going to get to the NHL at all because you got so-and-so and so-and-so. So forget it. Um, so I, I, you know, it's, it's a tough spot, but you know what? It, it's, it's, this is where it's really on Lukanen. If he can get it, if he can take care of business and get it done, then he can erase all the questions. Yeah, definitely agree. So as far as the outlook for the season, uh, just looking at last year, the East was obviously like a real have and have nots. And that was the Atlantic division was no different. It was, mm -hmm four teams up top and four teams below and there's a clear gigantic separation so i don't i know there's some weird stuff going on in boston where their entire team is out until november but like, <laughs> right. i i think most people if they're being reasonable would say it'd be a hard climb for the sabers to get into that top four this year mm -hmm. i know they finished fifth last year and there's really no reason that i don't i wouldn't think that we should consider montreal passing them this year but i i am interested in what you think of Ottawa and Detroit because they were both right behind the Sabres I think they 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 were both probably thinking they were going to do better last year mm -hmm. in what are basically year four of their respective rebuilds and yeah. they both did pretty poorly and they both uh, had quite a busy free agency Detroit I believe brought in 10 new players including a new goalie and Billy Huso and then mm -hmm. Ottawa not as many but did bring in uh, Drew and Brinkett mm -hmm. so do you think there's a possibility that in the short term that Ottawa and Detroit could pass the Sabres, even if the Sabres have pretty decent season or should the Sabres still be ahead of both of them? It's, cl it's close. I mean, it was close last year. I mean, Ottawa was two points behind Buffalo. Detroit was one point back of Buffalo. So if, you know, being better than Buffalo in that respect doesn't takes a couple of wins. So, you know, I, and in that, in that, with that in mind though, um, to me, Buffalo had, Buffalo has to be focused on themselves on this, you know, it, you know, it, it's an impossible division to be in, you know, Florida, got, you can argue Florida got a lot better adding Kachuk, you know, changing, at least changing their, how they do things with Kachuk in there over Huberto. Huberto had an incredible season. Kachuk offers a completely different style yeah. of play. Uh, losing Uyghurs 
probably going to be tough for them, but I mean, they had 122 points last season, you know, like they're going to be good. Like Florida's going to be really good. Toronto's going to be really good. I know, I, you know, I, I know their goaltending situation is goofy as anything. It's they're still going to be over well over hundred points that, you know, that, that team's incredible. Matthews is unbelievable. So, uh, you know, Tampa, do they slide back maybe after, you know, three straight years in the cup final? I don't know. You know, they lose Palat. Like that's tough, but when have we not seen guys from Syracuse just get called up and like, Oh, suddenly they're a 25 goal guy right. in the NHL. And you're like, Oh, well, Colton. of course he, you know, like, you know, watch Ross Colton become the new Andre Palat, you know? And it's like, should have seen it coming. It's right there. He played, you know, he's already won. A, he had a cup winning goal. So why wouldn't he? Um, and then Boston, I mean, yeah, Boston, whatever survived the first two months, maybe Swayman or Omar can stand on their head for, for a couple of months. And then when those go, those guys get back in the lineup, then you're ready to roll and you're good to go. But I mean, we're talking Buffalo. If you like, if you want Buffalo to catch Boston, you're talking 32 points It's six, it's 16 wins. Like that's, it's, it's, it's almost a quarter. It's like a fifth of the season almost like, you know, it's, it's crazy. So, I mean, that's, that's a lot. I know you want it. You want to look forward. You want to look, fast ahead and say okay we can get this team can get to the playoffs now of course they can like it it, you can never rule anything out it's the offseason everybody's hopes are high everybody's got a shot and you know buffalo's got enough talent right now where you can say if one two three four different things break right they can they could go 95 points maybe they could go you know i'm not saying they're going to touch 100 but you know you're you're looking at a you know big improvement over what you had last year but um to, to start, you know, and I know people got excited talking, you know, if Anderson was healthy, they make the playoffs and all that wacky stuff last year. No. But, um, but I mean, I, I think that's where it's going to be fascinating watching this team this year, because you're going to have a lot of people that are going to be thinking, hey, they could get to the postseason. And there's going to be a lot of disappointment if they rattle off a five game losing streak or something like that. And people go, what the hell? We were promised, you know, I thought this team was going to be better. And it's like, well, you know, if they're on a pace for 88 points, it's like, yeah, they're, you know, they're like, they're almost, you know, that's, that's a lot of wins better than they were last year. Right. You know, you're talking like six, seven wins better and that's okay. Like, 500 probably. Right. So, I, I mean, that, that's where the perspectives needed with a lot of this, especially with, with how they're doing things. Like they're going, they're going slow roll on this and, you know, I get it. Like you, they needed to build up their pipeline They needed to, you know, to add prospects. They need to have like a healthy, you know, can, you know, conveyor belt of guys that are, you know, you can start rolling through so you can do things the way Tampa's done. You know, you can do things the way some of these other teams, you know, Pittsburgh has been able to do in the past where, you know, nobody hears of Jake Getzel one year, then he put him at city Crosby. Now he's a 30, 35 goal guy every year. And you're like, okay, cool. Neat. Like, you know, why doesn't that happen for us? Well, right. that's what they're trying to do uh, with their farm system. Now is they're trying to get to that point where, you know, a guy goes down and you say, all right, well, it's your chance. Get in there and show us what you can do. And they actually do it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So before we get to anything else, just want to hear a quick word from our sponsors, DraftKings. Uh, the action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can f- fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you get another shot to cash in. You can throw down at all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, and over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. So this is where I'm supposed to talk about a bet I'm excited about, and I once again forgot to <laughs> get one ready. Uh, should I tell the people, do you think, Joe, to bet on uh, Newcastle United's over? <laughs> wow, what's their, what's their over for? I got to know what the mark is before I put, put my money on the line That's there. That's <laughs> a good question. I'm going to look that up right now because okay. it's – it's an exciting time for them, I think, for for Newcastle fans. So. Yeah, I uh, you're talking to a guy who threw uh, like a free bet, uh, like it was a free twenty five dollar bet on them in January, that you know for to make the top ten, and the odds were plus forty four hundred, and they finished eleventh, and they almost got there, which would have made me a lot of money, which would have been cool. Oh. But you know, hey, listen, I'm very proud of them for climbing the ladder. Anyways, it would have been nice to get me. a couple bucks though would have been cool but you know whatever they whatever they climbed they climbed out of relegation and, and flew to 11 so that's fine hmm. the only thing that drafting seems to have is their odds to win the league which i can't recommend oh that's no i, would, <laughs> that's no. Less than I, so, I love them they're not winning the league <laughs> all right 
yeah so that's yeah that's that's over so uh what would you say though uh to do the top 10 bet this year though yeah I, okay. I think if they don't finish top 10 this year that's 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 that might be a bit of a disappointment for them honestly yeah, you know because they're they're going to add some more guys so um it's not you know i know everybody's like well they got money like they still can't spend a lot of the money because they haven't, they don't have guys they can uh, loan out and sell elsewhere to make money back to, to even out the costs. So yeah, that's, true. that's, they're, they're in the same, well, similar spot that they have to slow play there. I mean, it's not really a rebuild for them. It's just like, aha, we have billions now um, yeah. where, but like they have to build up their Academy and they got, got to have lots of young guys they can loan out for, you know, tens of millions of, of pounds and be able to make up some of that money they want to spend on some of these guys that were that, or that teams are trying to charge them to get guys, you know, people, you know, some of these teams are just kind of like, wow, no, you want, you want Madison. Well, you got 40 million. That's not, you can't even buy his leg for that. Like, <laughs> okay, man, sure. Have fun with that. Yeah. All right. So yeah, top time. That, that seems like a good bet. All right. So best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. Promo code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes, see show notes for details and responsible gambling resources. All right. So before the ad read there, Joe, you were talking about the importance of building up the farm system. And I think it's safe to say that the current crop of prospects that we have right now are the best that the team has had probably since 2005, 2006, like very comfortably can say that given how high mm -hmm. end some of the nature of these prospects are. And it's really exciting, you know, looking at what some of these guys may end up panning out to be. And so I'm wondering of the key guys really that have come into the system over the past couple of years, either through draft or through trades. And mainly I'm talking about Devin Levi, Matt Savoy, um, Noah Oslin, Yuri Kulich, and Isaac Rosen. Can you just talk about your varying levels of excitement for each of them? And, you know, I, I guess I think maybe the easy answer to this is probably Levi, but of all of them potentially hitting their potential peak, who do you think is the most pivotal? Like Levi is an easy one to go to, but do you think that, mm -hmm. for example, like Matt Savoy, like if he ends up becoming like a legitimate first line center, like, do you think that is in the realm of possibility? Savoy's interesting because I know he's he comes out as a center. I could see him really being a really nice winger. Like I could see him being like a really nice, speedy, super skilled winger because it's tough. You know, center is such a tough position to be a smaller guy at, uh, especially in the NHL. I mean, it, it can be done. Obviously, I mean, it's it can be done. Um, but to get the most out of a guy like that, that could be a little difficult there for Savoy. I we'll see. I love his talent. I love his ability. I love his skill. Love everything about him. I thought it was. I thought it was great that he slipped to Buffalo. Um, I know before the draft that was a name. You know, a couple. We're talking like a month or two out of the draft, and I was hearing like, "Well, Savoy might slip to Buffalo," and I was like, "Well, they'll be lucky if that happens," right? Because I was, you know, I was big on. I was big on them being able to snag him, and very fortunately, they were able to get him. So that's good. Um, I'm a big Kulik fan. I think Kulik, I know some people saw the stats and they see like he gets, you know, what a couple points in the Czech, you know, the Czech extra league last year. And like, what, you know, who, who, get, who gets picked having four points in a season? It's like, well, he's 17 years old playing against guys like Yarmir Yager or, you know, guy, you know, you know, guys like, you know, guys, I, I know it's funny, but like, I think he still plays for, for mm -hmm. his team. So, you know, I mean, but you're talking about a guy that plays in a men's league playing minutes there and, you know, still finding a way to have some success anytime we've seen him against guys, his age. I mean, the under 18 tournament, I think was last year, just this, uh, I think it was just, uh, it was back in January or something like that. He had nine goals in like five games. Like, okay, man, like, you know, so it's, Crazy. so I want to see, you know, I would love to see him in the AHL this season. Honestly, mm -hmm. I, I, I think that would be fantastic. It'd be difficult. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, we're talking about a kid at 17 playing against men last year. You know, get the AHL is a lot more physical. It's a lot tougher. Um, but I would love to see him there. And if it doesn't work there, send him back. To, you can send him back home. No problem there. Like, that's fine. I just don't know that playing him in the queue would help too much because yeah. he's roasting everybody there. Like, what's he learning out of it? So uh, I'm excited on him. I love that they got Austin. Um, I mean, it's a lot of it's based on this this past draft. The the defenseman they got out of Russia last year, Novikov. Oh my God! Mm -hmm. If they, if he if he comes over, that's a huge that's a huge get for them. 
but it, I mean, obviously with any of the guys in Russia, you hope that they, you know, they can someday come over, but yeah, Novikov's the one I like, I like Pol- Poltapov. I think he's very good too. Um, but yeah, this is, it's pretty crazy to look up and down the list and see these guys and be like, okay, you know, and this is even still with, um, you know, like controversy, like we don't know if Ryan Johnson's going to come out or not, you know, we don't, you know, Portillo, there's questions about what's going to happen with him because, you know, if he decides he wants to come out, if he wants to leave school after the season, he could be a free agent in August. Like that's, you know, he has that option. Like he can stay in college for, for one more year after that, but, but if he wants to come out, he can become a free agent if he wants to. So that's a little too exciting. And, you know, people are still going to have him Colin Peterson flashbacks too much. So, like to not have that, but you know, but like you know, Levi. I mean, obviously he's exciting. Uh, I'm gonna be really curious to see what Aaron Huglin does at Minnesota this year too. Yeah. I he's there's a lot of skill there. He's had just a horrible road, you know, from when he got drafted. He had a horrible back injury, missed like a whole year. Right. Uh, so I want to see him step up and have a nice big year for Minnesota too. So and even Matteo Constantini in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Anybody playing at Premier programs like that is worth keeping an eye on to see how they do. Absolutely. And I, I mean, that's such a great point there is that we're talking about these guys on the high end and there's like five or six of them, but it's also discounting those guys. Like you're saying with Constantini and Hewlin, that's also not even to mention like Josh Bloom or Oliver Nadu for mm-hmm. example, two, two other guys who really seem like they, they may have a shot, you know, and yeah, it's especially encouraging considering from, Oh, I don't know, like 2008 to like, <laughs> two years ago that pretty much anything outside of a top two pick for the Buffalo Sabres was an absolute failure with a, yeah. I guess also the exception of like Olaf, Olafson, mm-hmm. but the drafting has been pitiful and was yeah. really the Achilles heel of the franchise. And maybe the main contributor as to why they are in the midst of this playoff drought right now, and just haven't been able to have success, sustained success, at least for that matter. And now it's just like in, you know, two, three years, it's just the switch has been completely flipped and they are back. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, how many years in a row was it we where you're like you're waiting for Justin Bailey and Nick Baptiste to be like wait all right oh, this God. year's gonna be their year it's gonna right. be their, it's their time Hudson bashing's taking a step this year right you know like like all these things where you're what you're keeping such a keen eye on these guys because either you drafted them or they they traded for them yeah I mean that was a case with fashing I mean they traded away you know what a first round pick and um was that was that Braden McNabb? I think it yeah, was McNabb yeah. move. Yeah. yeah, McNabb and a pick yeah. for Delorier and Delorier fashing. So like, oops. And I mean, <laughs> they're really still interested in Nick Delorier for your contract. Yeah. I, hey, good for the Flyers, man. They're gonna be bad for a bit. So <laughs> yeah, towards there. But um, but I mean, like it, it. But like those are the years, like in the past, where you're just kind of like, all right, here's this guy that looked good in training camp for a game. Maybe he's gonna be a guy, and then you know, he disappears to Rochester or he disappears, you know, to his junior team or college or whatever. And then he's gone. And then he's never to be heard of again. And you're just kind of like, well, I thought this kid was going to be somebody. And then it turns out, you know, maybe the most they were going to be was a, you know, was it was occasional 14th man on an NHL roster. or He's going to be a really great AHL player, which that's fine. I mean, it's, it's great for the player. Like you can still do well there and you get your occasional NHL games, but for what the big team wants, that ain't fine. And that's not what they needed. So but like, I, I don't know. It's it's weird looking up and down and seeing so many of these guys and just being like, I mean, I mean hey, if this turns right, this could be a really big deal. This could be a good thing for him. And, you know, um, I don't know. It, it's 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 weird. It's a big adjustment for everybody, you know, mm-hmm. for, for, you know, people like me, you guys, like everybody. It's just kind of like because it took, you know, two, three years for it to be like, OK, well, you know, they got some guys, I guess, maybe. And then, you know, you wait and see and you don't see anything. But um but now it's now that i mean the hopes are high like they they the 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 draft mindset is so different now where they're aiming for skill and high you know high aim high quality you know upside as opposed to like what that guy looks at looks like right at that moment when they're 18 and they're like well they're like well he's he's doing this he's doing this really well right now against his competition this has got to be really good well, I mean, how does that project out over, over time? You know, you can't just pick for the, what's happening right at that moment. You got to think of how that guy's going to develop. So when it comes down to it, you, you, you want these guys to, to have this, this high upside. You want these guys to, ha- to get the opportunity to be able to tap into that and be able to take off, you know, from, from where they are currently, uh, where they are currently playing to where they can go when it's time to take that next step. I, I, and, 
you, you might see that get crossed up a little bit still as there's older prospects still around that we're going to see this year. Uh, and maybe, you know, you know, the years to come versus the guys that they, you know, they drafted the last couple of years where I think everybody, you know, I think a lot of the times it's a case of, you know, new hotness versus, you know, old and busted, but um, where you get more excited about the new guys, you forget about the older guys. But, um, but I think with who, who the new guys are that they've picked it, picked at, it, there's a good reason to be excited about them. So one last point on prospects that I'm, I'm curious for your opinion on Joe is looking at the last two drafts, 11 draft picks in each of them next year, four picks in the first two rounds of that draft. So mm-hmm. one of the biggest issues that the Sabres have had has been asset management over the years. We all know this, but they are getting to a point now though, where they have been having seemingly some really good drafts. They've been taking a lot of guys and depending on how all of their respective development tracks go, there very well may be a point that the Sabres are going to be like, well, we can't have all of these guys at once. So I guess I'm just curious, like how far off do you think the Sabres are? And do you think it's as early as next off season potentially for them to start to move some of these prospects to try and get good, solid NHL players, younger NHL players, I should say right now, like, do you think that they're that close to that, that say they go 500 this year, is that enough for them to maybe move a few of these guys? Because the crazy thing is, is that you can remove, let's call it in like a big deal. Maybe you move, you know, four guys, four prospects. Mm -hmm. You still are probably going to have a top 10 prospect pool with how deep they are right now. Do you think that they're that close to that? Uh, I, I think it's a lot, it might be a lot sooner than that. Uh, in some cases, because I mean, it all depends on how, how well things go or how poorly things, I mean, you know, but obviously I think if they're, if they're in a spot where they're doing really well, where you're thinking, okay, if we add, if we can add one guy that can get us strongly involved in a playoff race here right away, you have to think long and hard about, is it worth it right now to move a couple of those guys, you know, in that prospect pool to, to, to pick up that player that you think could push you into the playoffs. Like if you're that close, now I'm not saying that, that, that they're going to be in that kind of a position, you know, this year where you're thinking, okay, you know, make that move, get that one guy, they'll be in the playoffs like that. That's asking a lot. Um, but you do have, I, I think there's a possibility that you could see maybe one or two of those guys move before, before the next draft, or maybe even at the next, you know, at the next draft uh, in like one of those draft day kind of moves. I think you're in a spot now where, you could maybe move one or two of those guys where, you know, they're, 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 um, their value right now is very high because they've done very well, or they're a guy that a team could look at from the outside and say, no, we know what we can do with them because they don't know what they're doing with him. So um, I, I, I would, I would not be shocked if within the next 10 months, you could see like maybe, maybe a couple of those guys move for somebody that in part of a package, not obviously, you know, a straight up thing, but, um, but like part of a package to be able to get, to get a, to get a, a a piece, uh, you know, a guy that, that you're going to build on, build with the next couple of years. Great answer. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, So I kind of want to switch gears uh, real quick, because I know as someone who's obviously at every Sabres home game and, you've probably sat through hundreds of them now a lot of it seems like some people well a lot of people that are seeing ticket holders and some people in the media who are there a lot seem to not love the entire game day presentation the uh, some different things about the arena if there was like one thing that you could change i guess about like game day presentation and something in the arena maybe the way things are set up or if you could just add something yeah. maybe seen in a road arena or anything like that is there anything that you had in mind Two things, and it requires a lot of money from the team to do it. Uh, you need a new scoreboard. You need a new big, fancy, just a big old thing. Now, I'm not talking like a Tampa or a Denver thing, where it's just a massive video board and you're just like you're oh you're overwhelmed by it. Yeah. But you need a new. You, they need a new board. They need something that's a little bit more with the times. Um, you know, and I know scoreboards are a little bit tough in Buffalo because the first because the, the one with the new when the building opened fell the you know the the first day it opened but um but but they do need a they do need a new board they do you know something that gives it a little bit more pop a little bit more can offer a bit more information you know more advertisements of course because you know you gotta you gotta do that but uh they need an upgrade there 
but the biggest thing they got to do is change the seats, man. They, they need to pull every chair out of there and put, replace every single one of them because it's, it's a disaster. It's so it's, they're so beat up. There's so many broken chairs and this is, I'm just talking like the hundred level. There's so many chairs that are just broken. You know, there's like, you know, there's rust, I see rusty screws sticking out from like the cup holders and things like that. It's just, it, it's it's terrible. It's it's just so gross, and uh, it's mostly just arena stuff. I want to see get better. You know, I, I think game presentation stuff and, and all that has gotten a lot better over the last couple of years. Uh, so I I don't, I don't think you really need to mess around with that too much. I mean, obviously, I mean, if you want to add some in arena games or whatever, like okay, fine. But uh, but I think that's been I think that's been fine where it's at. But man, the arena needs so much work. It needs it needs so many things to make it more appealing inside. I would love to see, you know, that the concourse on the backside of the arena, uh, not where you come in where, you know, you got the blue zone and the escalators and all that, but like when you walk around to the exact opposite side, right. That whole, that whole walkway on the hundred level where it's dark, like there are no windows, there's nothing back yep. there. Find a way to put windows up, <laughs> like, you know, get something that looks out on, you know, out on the river behind. And, you know, I know they're going to be rebuilding the, uh, the Metro station behind there. Like, they're going to make that look nice, man. Just find out, you know, I know it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of money, a lot of creativity to do that, but Holy geez, man. Like just get, get some, give me some windows back there. Make it look like I'm not walking into a tomb, you know, trying to, you know, trying to, you know, you know, hit the concession stands or, you know, buy, you know, buy, buy some beers or whatever. Like, I just, I don't know. There, there's a lot that can be done with it. And, you know, and I know they, you know, they want to improve a lot of like the suites and everything. Suites seem okay to me, but you know, that, that's more about modern amenities and, and things of that nature. But but man, oh man, it, there's so it, it it's crazy to me that they've they got an arena there that's been open since what 97, 96, 97, yeah. and they haven't touched it. Like it's it's almost exactly the same. I know they updated the scoreboard a little bit, um, but yeah, it needs work, it needs a lot, it needs it's a fixer upper at this point. Absolutely, yeah. Well, one other question, because I do want to get back to some other uh, non-on the ice things, but one thing that I did want to ask about the on the ice product. Uh, what is the one storyline that you're most excited about for this year? Like, is there one player's development or just general storyline that you're most looking forward to going into the 22, 2023 season? I'm going to need some like ADD medicine to stay focused on, <laughs> on that. I'm, I'm dead serious, man. Cause there's so many guys to me that are fascinating because of where they are in their development now, like where they are in their careers. And, you know, things that have happened in the last couple of years where you're like, okay, all right, let's see what happens there. And also the newness for some of them, you know, like the power, how, you know, what's his first season going to be like, I'm fascinated to see what that's going to be like, because obviously the talent's super high. Obviously there's a lot of skill. He's a big dude. You know, can't miss him on the ice. Uh, but I want to see how he adapts. I mean, I know everybody's going to be thinking like you could have like Kale McCarr in the back of their head, but I'm like, that's the absolute absolute highest possible right. position you you can wind up in and if he's even in the discussion with a guy like that jackpot like that's <laughs> easy as that but i want to see how well he does in his first season and what you know how he adjusts and how he does things i mean he's had a lot of experience already against you know higher talent you know he got a handful of nhl games when he got you know played at worlds with canada he's he's got the experience so i want to see where he goes i want to see if thompson can can have the same kind of season or improve upon it. You know, I need to know if that's, if that's going to be, if that's a for real change for him, you know, I know defenses are obviously going to be trying to take a, take a closer look at him and play, pay a lot more attention to him, but uh, with his size and his, you know, his hands and his stick is, is um, his stick mobility, man, he's, he's a tough guy to match up on. So I want to see that. I, I want to see if he can recreate that or improve on it. I mean, if he, you know, if he gets stung by bad luck, people are going to scream and yell about it but you know if his shot per, if his shooting percentage goes down by half and it's just you know guys coming up with saves on them you know that them's the breaks but uh but that's that but that's who i'm really going to be watching and cousins too i want to see cousins what his step is this year because i because I, I i believe he can score a lot more goals i believe he can be a, a bigger force he's only getting stronger every year he's obviously very tough uh he's got a huge competitive edge to him so i want to see where where he goes next season because i think that's that's a guy i think that could really blossom uh with, with everything if everything goes right next season i think he could really break out very nice very nice yeah yeah do you have any more on the ice uh, that was my last on the ice one. <laughs> okay. that, was, that was my last one all right um so i guess i was wondering this is definitely a, a tougher thing to talk about but 
been a it's been a couple months now. Uh, obviously, King Pagul has been in a hospital with medical emergency. Uh, it's you know very, very unfortunate. Uh, so not not asking about that or you know what's going on with her, but more wondering um, because we're about two months out from the season. Uh, do you have any inclination of how the the order of power has changed there at all? For example, like she was a team president. Uh, do you get the inclination that Kevin Adams is kind of running the show right now uh, on a temporary basis? Like he would be the mostly the the day to day or is there is there someone else or um i think all decisions still get run through terry i think that's always that's always going to be the way you know it's it's always terry and kim that take care of you know that have the ultimate say on everything obviously but um as far as you know handling presidential duties and things like that i, I it's tough i i think that's something where i i i believe the gms on both teams have that have that uh, a pretty good lock on that like they're not they're not flying you know making decisions you know blindly on their own and just kind of winging it you know obviously you know they've got ownership there uh to to have the final say and and, and to go over it and there's obviously you know there's uh accountant types that will that will also weigh in on on those decisions uh i think a guy like ron rakui has probably got a lot of power in there too uh, I, as far like, I, maybe not being as a president, but he's definitely a big decision maker involved with maybe more on the executive side and the corporate side of things there. Um, but, um, but on the president, like when it comes to presidential things, I, I, I really think that's something where it's a collective, um, mindset with, you know, with the PSE executives and, you know, if it concerns one team or the other, then you've got Brandon Bean or, um, Kevin Adams involved with that discussion as well. So uh, I think that's where things stand as, as far as that goes, at least that's what makes sense in my mind, you know, and obviously everybody wants to see Kim, you know, Kim get better and, and have her health improve. So uh, hopefully that is the case. I, you know, that, you know, we're hearing nothing about it and that's, you know, that's fine by us. Like that's, that's their business. So, um, you know, that's not to say if a reporter finds out what's going on, that's a bad thing. They're doing their job too. So, um, but obviously I, you know, you want it, you want the best for everybody. Um, but I think when it comes to the daily running of the teams, things that seem to be in a pretty good place for both teams right now, um, where, you know, things are in a controlled state. There's no, there's nothing that's out of hand that, you know, there's not, there's not an imminent fire burning in the distance where you're like, all right, you know, in a few months, this could be a big issue. I, you know, maybe Jordan Poyer at the end of the year, but we'll see. We'll see. There's a Super Bowl ring on his finger at the end of the year and he doesn't have an extension. I think he'll be fine. Yeah, definitely. Well, I have a very important question to ask because we're talking about upgrades to the arena. If you, Joe Yurden, were able to choose one local restaurant to become a food vendor at Key Bank Center, which one would you pick? Ooh, man. Do you have like another hour for us to talk about this? Because <laughs> I, re I really want to break it down. No, Let's go. I, uh, <laughs> see, I, I, I think that's where you want to decide what you what you want your your go to thing to be. Do you want to really lean in on Buffalo and be like, well, okay, let's we do wings or like right. have a wings food court or something like that? It's like kind of crazy that they don't have anything like that though, as it is, right? Like, I mean, I know <laughs> it's not the easiest thing to eat at a hockey game. Like, I get that, right? But it, it is kind of interesting though that they don't lean into it more i guess they yeah. don't, you, you, i don't think you can buy chicken wings in the arena no no i no, no i honestly i'd be a little bit worried buying them at the arena because right. i don't know if you i don't know if you'd be getting the best quality like i, know, I said like, this would in this scenario would be like barville yeah. come on in or something like that but yeah you know man this is this is tough because there's because you because you can go with a high-end sort of place mm -hmm. like you call up Teuton and be like, all right, send, send us, send us your biscuits and mashed potatoes and, yes. you know, and your chicken, your fried chicken, and we'll go to town. Like, we'll, we'll be good. You know, you can call a place like that or, um, uh, man, uh, there's so, there's so many joints, man. I just, and I don't, I don't get out to eat as much now. Cause I, you know, obviously I'm arm injury. I'm not going anywhere, but, um, man, I, I, you know, I, you know, a place like Lloyd makes a ton of sense. Right. I was just, you know, actually, yeah. They, Lloyd, they've always been at the Bill Stadium. Yeah. And, you know, Lloyd's stuff is always really good. So I think that, I think that would be, a, and tacos are easy. Tacos, burritos are real easy to eat. Like, right. Having a burrito at a game would be pretty cool. Cool. You know, I mean, that'd be, I know that's probably opening the door for Chipotle to walk in there and just be like, yeah, yeah, no, we, we got this. But, <laughs> um, 
but no, like a, I think a Lloyd would be would be pretty would be pretty great. Um, I would love I would love I would love the Lenovo pizza to be like the like coming from straight from West Ferry. Lenovo, yeah. Like I want I want the I want the a giant delivery. I want to see a giant delivery t- truck every game day going past my apartment from Lenovo going downtown. And be like, all right, okay, <laughs> yeah. I right. feel good about this now. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, man. To be like the to be like the king of the like the king of the arena in there, man. Like that's. I think if you want like the full, if you want like the full Buffalo experience, like a Gabriel's Gate, like a mini Gabriel's oh, yeah. Gate menu would be pretty good because you get your wings. Uh, they got the tons of great sandwiches. Um, yeah, to me that that that's a pretty that's a pretty easy call there because like because you can get your beef a weck if you want like. Right. Beef and there is pretty pretty good. Get a cheesesteak if you want. Their cheesesteak sandwich, pretty, like, their version of it, anyways, is really good. So, uh, I think the gate would be a re- would be a real nice call, a, a nice crowd pleaser. Everybody's happy, kind of place. Like you don't want it to be like too much one thing or the other, because then people would be like, ah, I don't eat that stuff anyways. Like, well, if you can't find something to eat the gate, then that sounds like a you problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I honestly, my, my first thought when Brendan asked that, not what I want to happen, but what I think might like would happen in this scenario is someone that would love to be involved because he's involved with everything in Western New York is mm-hmm. Russ Salvatore. Oh my God. <laughs> not that it's a good fit at all, but he'd love to be involved, I'm sure. I, I only want Russ Salvatore's ad agency and commercial producers yeah. to produce every commercial uh, for everything ever made because it's, him- it's incredible. It's artwork. <laughs> We should just have Russ be like the in-host MC or the in-arena MC and just have him host, just ask people questions, give some hockey knowledge here and there. He wouldn't know anything that was going on really, but I'd I'd be curious to see. That that might get really out of hand really quickly. I don't know know if that, I don't know how good an idea that might be, but. Day after uh, the first game headline, Russ Salvatore fired from position. Yeah, that's going to end with a note tap apology. Yeah, yeah, I I mean, listen, if he wants to bring his stakes to the arena, I'm down. Like that's, I'm very okay with that, but that's, uh, yeah, Russ being the in-arena host is a a hilarious idea. I want to see it happen just for just for to see how that breaks down because it will break down <laughs> yeah i saw him a couple years ago uh receive an award uh for his chair okay. at a cystic fibrosis gala which you would mm-hmm. think was a very easy speech to give and it was only like 90 seconds but it still kind of got out of hand <laughs> oh, did, did they have to do the uh the uh the play them off music at some point to be like all right ross gonna get off the stage like no, right up look- he like uh, I don't think he wanted to be up there that long, but yeah, he he definitely said something inappropriate and then uh, <laughs> walked off himself. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, you know how? Well, I'm not gonna say how bad could it be because it could get, get really bad real quick. <laughs> I, I learned I should learn to never say that that phrase ever again. Well, how bad could it be? Well, yeah, just, just think for a little while how bad it can be. <laughs> oh my gosh. You got anything else, Taylor? Uh, no, I think that's it. All right, Joe. We have a couple of traditions that we do at the end of each episode, and we always love to get uh, our guests involved as well. The first thing that we do is we do our recommendations of the episode. So we that can encompass anything from a movie you've seen recently or just a favorite movie of yours in general or a TV show or maybe it's a song or an album you listened to recently, a restaurant, whatever it may be. We just like to give a recommendation to people. So we all kind of take turns doing that. So if you would like, we could go for it first, or if you have anything that's coming to mind right now that you feel very strongly about, by all means. You guys should go first. Okay. <laughs> so would you like to go first then? Uh, yeah, I'll just say I've recommended this in the past, but it's worth repeating because I didn't really, I don't really have any movies to recommend at the moment, but Better Call Saul, uh, Monday nights on AMC. But I mean, I guess you have to catch up first before you do this. If you haven't watched Better Call Saul yet, especially if you're a Breaking Bad fan, I think it's been fantastic and the fact that there's a lot of people out there that think that have watched both and think it's better than breaking bad says a lot and uh you're not gonna regret it so the first five seasons i think four or five seasons are on netflix and then this one's currently airing so maybe you can catch up before the finale if you try really hard all right there we go i'm gonna go with a song for mine it's a it's not like it's well it's a fairly newer-ish song within like the past couple of years or so but i forgot it existed until a friend played it uh in the car on the way to dinner Cool uh, collaboration. It's called Daffodils by Mark Ronson featuring Kevin Parker, who's the front man of Tame Impala. Uh, it's, it came out around the area that like Uptown Funk came out. And so it's of that similar vein where it's very like 
you know, that kind of like upbeat Motown kind of vibe to yeah. it. But then it's Kevin Parker with Tim, if anyone knows Tim and Paula, that like very falsetto, spacey kind of vocal sound that he has there. And it is a goddamn jam of a song. So if you're looking for a nice little upbeat song to listen to, Daffodils by Mark Ronson and and Kevin Parker of Tame Impala. And I just want to also say as a disclaimer, I, for the life of me, cannot believe that I am using a Mark Ronson song as one of the recommendations. <laughs> but God damn it, I will not be denied. It is a great, great song. Just I, I, the scope of my music taste, Joe, I don't want you to get the wrong idea because mine, it's all over the place. And I, this is probably the only song I could be like, wow, Mark Bronson, like he went in on this one. <laughs> probably more so because of Kevin Parker. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, uh, I had a music thought, but I was like, it's way too dorky. And get I'm going to, I'm, I'm, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to, the, the other one I had in mind was, uh, if you haven't watched Shorzy on Hulu yet. Nice. Um, it's right up there with letter Kenny and quality and how funny it is. It's incredibly funny. Uh, I, I was very, I very much thought I was not going to like it one bit because the Shorzy character kind of drives me nuts on letter Kenny. Um, <laughs> but an entire series with, with Jared Kiso playing Shorzy is, is amazing and uh, good drop in by the Nolan brothers. Can I just say the Jordan, Jordan Nolan, Brendan Nolan and uh, really, yeah, they they're, they're part of it and it jordan's extremely extremely funny for the part that he plays so um so yeah it's uh it's a it's a neat series there's a handful of guys that played in the nhl that or played the nhl or were big were prospects at a point that are a part of this that's it's extremely funny uh to see them in in this playing playing on the you know shorzy's team which uh, kills me it's if you're a super hockey dork like me and you're looking at these guys going, is that? And then you're looking it up right away and you're like, I thought that was them. Right. Uh, it's, it's great for that. But yeah, it's, um, I'm, I'm still s- struck by how funny it is and how, how good it was. Cause I thought it was going to be some like throwaway spinoff series and nope, it's, it's just as good. If not, I'm not going to say it's better than Larry Kenny. Cause that's, that's, that's tall. That's a tall tale to tell, but uh, it's extremely good. I've had so many people recommend it to me. I haven't watched it yet, but I've the amount of like hockey fans and non-hockey fans alike who have said that the show is unbelievable. Yeah, Terry Ryan's in it, I believe, right? He uh he has a a podcast with the Hockey Podcast Network, so our our network, our code. Okay. Network. I, yeah, I think so. I think he's in. Yeah, the Nolan. Yeah, the Nolan brothers are in it. Um, uh, they they one of the characters is he's a they're like he's he's black he's French Canadian and he's a rapper and they're like what why does he play hockey they're like oh he was drafted they're like what what do you mean he was drafted and I looked him up and I go yeah he was drafted by like the the Predators or the Penguins like eight years ago nine years ago and I'm like yeah I, I was pretty sure I'm pretty sure I was at his draft that I talked to him no like, now he's now he's in Shorzy and I'm like okay and he's actually is a rapper and I'm like perfect this is amazing so yeah very cool yeah <laughs> all right love that well and then the other tradition we have as all sports fans truly truly love naming a guy we all love it we all love remembering a guy so what we like to do we end every episode where we give our random sabers player of the episode where it could just be Anybody who has worn the Sabres jersey previously, it could be for a, a day, it could be a, a long tenured Sabre, whatever. Taylor and I and our guests, we always like to try and get a little bit of uh, some of the more niche guys, you know, rather than being like Danny Briere. So <laughs> I will go first for mine. My random Sabres pair of the episode, just because, is Eric Rasmussen. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I will go with Dominic Moore. Oh. Dominic Moore, that's a nice one. Uh, I'm gonna go. I, I'm going back to the first season that I was that I was here and covered the team. Uh, I'm calling. I'm calling on the Wolverine, Phil Veroni. Wow, uh, like yeah. that. Very like, very much like that. Well, <laughs> Joe, before we sign off, we always, anytime we have a guest who like to give them an opportunity to talk a little bit about what they have going on, where they could find you online. So, if you'd like to get into that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you well, you can find our uh, myself and Lance Lasowski on the Maintenance Day podcast. Every we release a new episode every Monday, uh, so that's worth checking out. Not to take away from you guys. Sorry, you know I know <laughs> pumping up a podcast on a podcast. Do I, don't, I, do I don't know if the, I don't know what the rules are on that, or if that's kosher. But uh, but yeah, <laughs> you can find me there. Uh, Noted hockey at Substack. That's where I that's where I do some writing. Not lately because you know my 
you know, my arm <laughs> has been in a sling for four weeks. Uh, but it'll be bound, it'll be coming back with ferocity very soon. And uh, also on Twitter, find me on Twitter at Joe Yerdon, J-O-E-Y-E-R-D-O-N. Awesome. Well, Joe, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate you coming on. Everybody, again, make sure you're following Joe and Maintenance Day and all of his work that he's doing. Uh, a very valuable member of the Buffalo sports media community here. So, Joe, we really appreciate your time. We'd love to have you on again sometime. And uh, yeah, thank you very much. And hopefully your arm gets better soon, too. Yeah, just a couple more weeks. I'm, I'm going to be good to go. Th- thanks for having me, guys. It's a lot of fun. And uh, ho- hopefully uh, be able to pop on with you guys again uh, when this, once the season gets rolling. Oh, say less. We are all about it. That sounds great. All right, everybody. Well, thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both of the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites. Whatever streaming platform you're currently listening to to listen to this episode, make sure you're checking out all of our very incredible fellow shows and make sure you're following both of our presenters on social media. You can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram where you can also find us, Straight Up Sabres, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And again, wherever you are listening to this episode drop us a rating a review whatever it may be we would very much appreciate appreciate it last but not least as taylor had mentioned before head over to DraftKings, use that promo code thpn at checkout to take advantage of great deals we'll be back with a brand new episode on thursday everybody have a great start to your week this has been straight up savers Stay